we've seen them do so many things, you know, slow openers, and then they'll, you know, sometimes they'll do really fast openers. I think my favorite is probably the slow burner, but... But how much of a slow burner? That's a good question, because then they, you know, they'll, they'll switch it up from one slow song right into an energetic set, or they'll do three or four slow songs. I think it's de- depending on the environment, right? I think so. It also might be depending on what they did the night or two nights before or what they're going to do two nights or a night from then. So I would say two slower songs to open up with and then energy after that would be, I think, my perfect one. I'm not against a faster opener, uh, but I think it just sets the, the, the crowd's tone more with a slow one because uh, I feel like I engage more uh, when they do something like that. What about you? I, uh, I've always been a fan of the slow open going back until like 2013 at Wrigley when they were doing that. I think that was the first time where they opened up more than one song slow that I can remember in this era. Uh, and then the whole lightning bolt tour, they would do pendulum and do like a low light into elderly woman or something along those lines. And I really like that because it gave songs that may not necessarily get a chance to be played to get played. And it also gave in some situations, it gives you uh, two songs such as wash and release uh, to be played in the same night. However, when you get a show starting out with a go or a corduroy or a given a fly, the show just cruises. But how I would develop the set, I think I would add more of the slow burn just because there's so many slow burn songs that I love that I want to hear that I would add them to the set myself if I had one chance to make a set. So I would say slow, slow burn more because it, it sets a tone and you would say slow burn more because they could feature some rarer songs right up front. I'm greedy. That's it. Leave it at that. I agree. That's okay. And I want more. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Gossip. Fucking camera in the truck. Welcome back to the Live on Four Legs podcast. This is week number four that you're tuning in and you're listening to Randy and Matt here uh, in Matt's humble abode 
that we are currently uh, in different rooms because that's just how the dice ro- rolled on this one, how, how the cards fell. Whoops, right? I'm uh, literally sitting directly above your head right now. <laughs> just in a different room on a different floor. See, I wanted, we wanted to do some live shows and we're, you know, I, I, I had to, to come back to Long Island for this week anyway. And we thought, you know, put, put us in the same room and we can kind of have more of a conversational flow, but it turns out both of our mics just pick up on each other and, uh, you know, it's all just bad news. So we're still in the building phases right now, as we've told you guys. So, you know, down the line, we're going to be getting new stuff and, you know, new ways to record the podcast. So just deal with us for a little bit, or we just have to deal with each other, I guess at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a while before we really get it, especially when we're, you know, off campus, so to speak. But when we're together, we have some shows coming up that we're going to be doing live together in the next couple of weeks too. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll have some things figured out by then. But. I've heard all good things about it, though, so far. I mean, people seem to like it. So I guess we're fooling them is, is what we could call it, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, you got to cheat the system. Uh, we do that all the time in television. You know, things that people think are a certain way. Uh, you know, you cheat shots and you put in shots from other spots. And that's just kind of how television works sometimes. So Not that we're trying to cheat you guys, but... As long as we make it sound good, that's that's all that matters. I'm a fan of it. I think we should continue what we're doing until we really, really fuck something up. Sure. And then we should we should stop and then get back going once we get back into it. Sure. If that were to make any sense. Uh, anyway, we got a good one for you today, huh? We got a really good one coming up here. You want to get some stuff out of the way first before we get into the episode? You want to talk about some of the... Uh, stuff we had just done on the live Facebook video. Yeah, yeah. If you're listening to to this, um, we re- are recording on Tuesday. Tuesday is usually our record day, uh, so maybe on Tuesday you saw our live video that we put out, and we put out a bunch of awesome little pieces of merchandise that we got from Boston, and we got friends to send to us from Seattle and Chicago as well. Uh, that we are giving away in bundles uh, for all of our patrons on Patreon. And for the Patreon people to donate, Matt, you have that information? Yeah, I could do the the rundown really quick one more time. It's the Live on Four Legs Patreon. We have a goal set up right now, $500. Uh, We want to try to get a store up and running. We want to get merchandise in there. Uh, And like we've said a few times, we're not just trying to take your money. So... Uh, we'll give you guys some gifts. Uh, if you donate $40, you'll receive the uh, Live on Four Legs t-shirt. It'll be an exclusive shirt to be decided later. A sticker, shout out on the show, and we'll give you an opportunity to pick an episode. If you donate $20, this is kind of tying into what we did before, you're going to receive the special gift bundle consisting of merchandise from the 2018 Home Away shows. Those are big time while supplies last, and you'll get a sticker from us too. And a shout out on the show. If you donate $10, a special shout out on the show, a sticker, We're going to make up those print sets that we had in Boston, send those out, and we'll write you a nice thank you letter. $5, you'll get a sticker and a thank you letter and a shout out on the show. And if you donate a dollar, you'll get a shout out on the show. And uh, all the dollar donations are going to go straight to charity. 
Uh, we have to stick to shipping in the lower 48 states right now. So if you're donating from overseas, we will give you guys a shout out. We'll be getting in touch with you to somehow be on the show, pick a show, do something like that. Because we want to show you that we love you as well. And while we're on this right now, you want to give a shout out to our, our new uh, patrons for the week. We have Amy Wilk became a patron. And she's going to receive one of those bundles that we showed on the Facebook page. So thank you so much for that. Once we let this run out, you know what, a couple more weeks, maybe into mid-October, uh, we'll have the store up, we'll have some merch up, and we'll be sending out the gifts to you then. So we will get in touch with you, and thanks again. Yeah, and uh, if you remember from last week, Amy is the one with uh, the wedding ring story. She's the one that yes. lost her diamond in Chicago. But um, what we didn't realize until after the show, I asked her, Hey, can you send me the video of you banging your hand against the rail? And uh, it was during the fixer that was played the night before. So her seats were actually uh, on the rail on night one and not night two, which we didn't know beforehand. But we still, you're never going to, you know, it makes good copy. You're never going to get rid of good copy. So um, it was close enough. Yeah. So going back to merchandise, uh, Monday, October 1st, we are going to open our first pre-sale store, and it's going to have six items in it, and we're going to, after the show, kind of talk about what items are going to go in the store and what we're going to use. We already know that we're going to do another State of Love and Trust shirt. We're going to do an October holiday shirt that's not Matthew's birthday. So, sorry for everybody that wanted a, you know, a Matt Helvig uh, face cake shirt. It's my birthday's on Columbus day this year. I will be celebrating, uh, by myself because I'll be celebrating by <laughs> myself. There are some people that still celebrate Columbus day. I am not one of those people that ever really cared about it. Unless I got a day off school, my birthday happens to fall on it this year. End of story. That was a good day to do backyard wrestling. That's true. Because parents weren't home. Weather was cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're, we're going to be recording with you the day after your birthday. So it's kind of like hanging out with somebody on your birthday around it. It's enough. Yeah, I guess so. I, th- I think you should take it. I think you should take it. I think that should be a win. I'll take it as a win. We'll bring over food. We'll, we'll, we'll be good. We'll make it as birthday-ish as it can be. Okay. Uh, so anyway, the merchandise, there will be merchandise for sale. We're going to make it as, as cheap as possible. We got to go through the prices still. But we want you to want it and not have to spend a million dollars for it. Because I see these stores all the time and they're making you spend an arm and a leg for Odie or an arm and a leg for uh, a t-shirt or something like that. We're not interested in doing that. We just want you to have merch. And it's going to be good merch. It's going to be Pearl Jam related merch um, that is not copyrighted. So... uh, you know, we're going to work on different designs every month. And we'll, what will happen is we'll open the store and it'll be open for half the month until about the 15th. It's a pre-order. So after the 15th, we go into production on it and it gets shipped probably a week and a half later. So you should have it by the end of the month. So uh, that's the whole process with that. And we're going to learn as we go along with this one too. And hopefully change some, some things up as, as we go along and maybe get something more permanent where we can keep 
uh, actual shirt bundles at our houses and, and ship them out ourselves at some point. But this takes that away where we don't have to buy, you know, 50 shirts and keep them in the house and wait until one gets sold and sit here three years later with all these shirts. We just don't want to do that at the moment once we get enough from Patreon and once we get enough from uh, the extra merchandise sales, we'll be able to come up with something. But for now, we're going to have merch and it's going to be awesome and you're going to love it. Now time for the episode. Yeah. Let's get into it. Amsterdam, Netherlands, 2012 Night 2. And what makes this show so special is that it's something that had never been done before with a no normal, ordinary fan. It's been done with some celebrity super fans, such as Steve Gleason, the former Saints uh, special team specialist who is dealing with ALS and has become popular for uh, using Pearl Jam as an inspiration for his ALS uh, treatment as well as Patrick Warburton was able to come up with a set list at one point, which I have never looked at before. Me either. We got to find out what it is, at least. We got to try to get him on the show. I, I, I don't know how I can deal with that, to have Putty and Joe talking to us. I, I'm going to, you know, how am I going to respond? <laughs> it's very prominent. <laughs> you stole my Jesus fish, didn't you? <laughs> You're going to hell. That's right. <laughs> yeah, one day we'll get Putty on the show. What Pearl Jam did in this instance is they took a 10 club member that was there from the very beginning, and his name is Brian Farias uh, from Rhode Island, and he was a member during the Mother Love Bone years that carried over into the 10 club fanship. So there's a story about him going to a show in 1991 in Rhode Island where there was like about 15 people there. And that's kind of where this all started for him. So if you read the Rolling Stone article, great article from six years ago, him just talking about what got to this point. We're really trying hard to get a hold of Brian. Uh, we know people that know him. And when we do, that's going to kind of be a special bonus episode attached to this. Uh, so hopefully that's coming soon and I can, I can't give you any details cause I don't have anything at the moment, but hopefully it is something that we can do shortly after this show gets posted. Cause we'd really love to talk about him and talk about, uh, talk to him and talk about his experience doing this wonderful, wonderful thing. So yeah, he got to create the whole set list and it was about, 90 to 95 percent all his and Pearl Jam made like one or two exceptions he was flown in to Amsterdam just kind of picked randomly went through about 40 or 50 set lists before coming up with this final edition there's some cool stories inside so let's get right into it
decides to open up the show with Wash. And I think that any hardcore fan that has a chance to pick an opener, I think it's likely to be Wash first. Right. I think the people that we've talked to in the last, or out of the last few episodes that we've done, Wash seems to be very popular, very high in the list of songs they like to hear first. And I agree with that. Uh, I think this is a really good choice. Uh, something I would absolutely do. Yeah, and look, I, I I think that if you're going with the harder set, that that's what we're going to witness here is a very a very hard, fast set. That's just it it kicks you in the ass when you're listening to it because it's just song after song after song after song, and you know the cooldowns are very minimum in this, and then there's not even like a rhythmic cooldown like an amongst the waves or army reserve type that's more kind of slowish instead of where they wouldn't actually do a cooldown in that spot they went all out and i think wash fits with that because wash is the one that's sort of hard compared to the other openers that they do it's definitely not a snoozer we could we could say that it's i mean could you even call this a soft open i don't even know if i would i mean it's softer but it's not soft in a way yeah i just think it, it sort of fits that narrative of they open with uh slower songs because it just it kind of grooves instead of drives well yeah i mean this is slower compared to say opening with go but it's not I don't think it's quite... It's their fastest slow Right. Okay. Let's put it that way. Yes. So, release is, is melodical. Sometimes is kind of melodical. Long Road is very melodical. Hard to Imagine, very melodical. Uh, Pendulum, very melodical in its own way, I suppose. I don't have another definition for it. Um, eerie, I guess you could say. But as far as the slow openers, those are the ones that you kind of you kind of pick at saying what they usually open with. And, uh, I think this is a good compromise for a, um, a harder set. This is wash is like the, the compromise, like let's, let's ease them into it, but we're not going to drag it out. Agreed. Agreed. And they, and they do not drag it out at all. No, because they had right into last exit. So this was before, like we were mentioning in the open, this was before they did, the free song slow startup. So it usually was one of those openers into like a quarter or a why go or a go and choosing last exit to me is, you know, signifies that a fan has picked this set set list more than a quarter or something else. Like that's, that's a fan favorite last exit. And it kind of shows what I was saying last episode, how, I thought Last Exit 
in the it was in the number what three spot I think in the last episode we did on that set list. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it was uh, it was strange there, and I said it should have been moved to two if I'm remembering correctly, and I think that I was damn right because it's great here and uh, watching the last exit. Last Exit is still a song where you're still kind of building. It belongs there in number two with these faster openers. I agree with you. Yeah. So I feel validated. <laughs> no, absolutely. Look, uh, Last Exit is one of those songs that I don't think I've ever seen in a set past two, three, or four. And I don't know if it would work, especially like late in a first set. It would just feel odd. And maybe that's coming from seeing so many... You know, I, I, I might have seen it like five times and I've seen it in that top three or four spots and you get used to it. And when it pops up somewhere else, you kind of at first say, oh, well, that really shouldn't be there. But I never really liked Last Exit. And then all of a sudden it just kind of grew on me. I always thought it was just not that interesting. And now I love it. Uh, it's one of my favorite album openers. Yeah. If we ever get into... The discussion of album openers, Last Exit is probably in my top three. So Last Exit right into Animal, which is another, it's a top four. So it's very normal, and you hear it in the spot very often. And this is just, again, uh, clinging to the narrative that we're off to a fast start and we're off to the races, and it's going to be a long night of just driving and hard-hitting songs, and I love it. It only gets better from here. Right. And we go into song number four, and we're going to play song number four for you because this usually doesn't happen this early in the set. Eddie mentions something about songs not happening at certain points in the set to where when we get to it again, I'll bring it up again. But it's, uh, I, I feel like this song here is a little bit of a foreshadow for kind of what he says later. trust that's very early for it so even though the first two songs are pretty typical of the typical set that you would hear them in the first couple songs state of love and trust is something that you hear late in the first set or in an encore uh it's versatile but it's not this versatile and i think they made it work tremendously i think brian is experimenting a bit but i think it works Perfect. I was afraid I was going to have to disagree with you, and I didn't think I was going to disagree with you at all on this show, but you explained kind of what you meant, and I changed my mind. I don't have to disagree with you, because I prefer State of Love and Trust in this four spot than I do in an encore. 
listening to this show as a whole, State of Love and Trust here is great. Yeah, and I think when you do things that are unpredictable like this, and I mean, the whole set is kind of, has the unpredictability factor just because it's not really Pearl Jam that's doing it, it's Brian that's doing it. Right. He's kind of putting in his own little artistic spin on things. Uh, If you're in that crowd and you're hearing State Now, you always want to hear the song, but now at this spot, you get that trigger that we're in for something really special, that we're in for something that you can't predict. And it makes you want more. If, if they were to play, I don't know, Why Go or Corduroy, I'll use his examples again. If they were to play those in the spot, they're, you're kind of hitting par for the course. That's a good lead into songs five, six, and seven here, adding to the unpredictable nature of this set. Right. Um, Ed does talk before going into song five. He doesn't talk too much. And that's really, that's another thing that makes the show so good is that he doesn't talk a lot. Ed says hi after state. And he says that they played Ziggo the night before. Ziggo, I believe it's Ziggo. Ziggo, Ziggo? Ziggo. Zygo? Uh, Potato, potato. Was stickler for a tickler? Not a stickler. ZZ Top. Now we're really off base. <laughs> Let's get back into it. Uh, he said they played the Zigo last night uh, where he tried to speak Dutch and somebody told him he spoke it wonderfully. And Ed says that it was nice to meet a liar, which I thought was pretty <laughs> funny. So he also mentions that somebody vomited the night before. So the Zigo had now officially become a rock and roll building. And that leads into a song that's about you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, severed hand. You don't get more psychedelic than that. Uh, the song is about basically a drug trip, as been said before. Um, but it's also... It's a trippy song for sure. Yeah, but also it's been said it was a... I forget the words that he described to say, because I was actually just listening to a set earlier today that had the song, and he described it as like a responsible drug trip. Yeah, something along those lines. Like functioning, like a functioning drug trip. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So it's definitely a wacky song. (laughs) That's hilarious. um, It's one of the best off of Avocado, and they still keep playing it to this day. And my notes say at this point, I don't take too many notes. If I do, I'm kind of picking at hairs because there's not a lot to pick out here. Uh, I say very obvious that Brian loves the head rockers. Yes. You know, uh, it's just another song that just hits hard, hits heavy, and drives. And that goes into Corduroy, another song that hits heavy and drives. Just wanted to mention something about Severed Hand. Uh, I think it was Severed Hand that I noticed. Just one little thing, uh, again, not even a real problem for the show. Um, I noticed they were, there were parts where they were a little more sloppy than usual on some, some parts. And a lot of it, it sounded like Matt was fixing some tempo changes that he was making. Either he was getting into it or he was just starting things too fast. So if you listen carefully, you could hear him kind of fixing himself here and there. I guess maybe he was just amped up, which, which I would be playing this set. It still sounds really good. It sounds like a rock show. And there's sometimes it's that perfection is is uh, what what could kill it for me. I like it when they go out there and they sound real. And you know if they're jumping around and they're messing up, 
that's great. I think it sounds even better. So I noticed that a little bit. I think it was in Severed Hand, so I just wanted to put that in there. Again, it, 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 it adds to the rock, the rock feel of this set. How, how much pressure is on the band to sort of live up to Brian's word and, you know, his, his set that he created for them? I mean, it's a huge favor that they're doing for him already, but they kind of, they have a lot to live up to. I feel like they always kind of take things in stride and... Well, you got to think of it this way. I mean, this guy's been around. This guy's been <laughs> this guy's been in the band longer than Pearl than longer than Pearl Jam has even really been a band right. if you want to think of it. Um, he's the OG, you know, he is the OG besides, you know, maybe Jeff and Stone, but I don't know if they thought they they needed to kick ass cuz they owed it to him. Maybe they had it in their minds though, like subconsciously like we got to we got to do really well. I don't know. That's a tough question. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that it, it's a special moment. And, and you know, it, it's kind of like when a little kid, when a baseball player goes visit a, like a children's hospital and the kid says, can you hit me a home run tonight? And then, you know, Paul O'Neill, uh, the kid asks if Paul O'Neill can hit three home runs. And, and then one is ruled as a triple and it doesn't count. A triple with an error. Yeah, what are you going to do? Um, but Paul O'Neill had to catch a ball in his hat the next game. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're all incredibly confident and competent musicians. So I don't think they got nervous about it at all, but I think they knew that this was something special that they were doing. And I know that they knew it was a, a special thing. So they probably wanted to treat it like it was something special. And it was. And they did a great job because they kicked ass. And we went from severed hand right into corduroy, which is not usually this deep into the set, but it's not, it's not really off the mark at all. No, it's not. And listening to this as a whole, when they went into corduroy there, I was still feeling a little strange about it being in this spot, but at a severed hand. And when they, when they go into the intro riff of corduroy, I said to myself, no, this Sounds sounds fine here. Sounds great. Yeah, Keep, they, they kept the momentum going. Sounds great. I agree, and I didn't have many notes on this, and I just went no right in right into I got shit because I got shit is a really good number seven song because I feel like it's maybe like a post even flow song in most situations. Usually a first set, but like a later first set when you just kind of need something after something epic, like after a present tense or an even flow, something that really builds this sort of just drives and stays the same length the whole time, which I like that here because there, it's not being used as somewhat of a cool down. It's being used as a blender. And I like songs that have like three different names. So that's cool too. Yeah. Id, ID, shit, Eid. I'd shite shied, whatever you want to call it. It's a great song. And it's uh, and again, this sounds really cool out of corduroy. After this, Ed talks to the crowd very briefly again and raises a toast to Lily. Who's turning 12, who must be um, 18 now. Um, I don't know who Lily is. Yeah, me either. I was, I watched that part a few times. I thought maybe they had just, cut it out of the video or Is something. Somebody's daughter? I, was, I don't know. I was trying to figure out if they said it, but um, maybe he just caught wind of somebody coming to Amsterdam from the, he said from the Chicago area. Oh no, Seattle area. Yeah, right. Yeah, so maybe they just caught wind of that and wanted to give them a shout out, which I think is really cool. 
Right. If we're wrong on that, then, well, we're, we don't have an answer on that. If you have an answer on that, you can yeah. just let us know. Let via us know. email, via something. And he goes right into Daughter, um, which is a, is the first hit of the night. I don't know if I consider Corduroy or Animal Hits. Uh, Daughter is like the first of the radio singles. Yeah. And I read that in his article he said that he tried to pick something for everybody. And it's funny that he says that because we are actually uh, going to share a story with Aurelian. He's one of our uh, he's one of our patrons. He's one of our fans, and he's been there from the beginning. And this was his first ever show. Uh, they tagged WMA with daughter here, and uh, this is going back to our conversation from last week. What's considered a tag and what's considered a snippet? And listening to WMA, they don't change pace of the song. So is it a snippet or is it a tag? Because they play a lot of it, so it's more than just a hey ho, let's go. Correct. But is it a snippet or a tag? Um, you is know, it the boxer or the bag. I told you I don't. I don't want to say that word. <laughs> so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say tag. <laughs> okay, I think that's fair. You're right, though. It has some length to it, so it's just more more bullshit for the sake of bullshit and having a podcast that that's right. We we can bring these topics up. If we <laughs> have to, there's a lot of, a lot of nerds out there and we're fulfilling the nerddom. So, uh, yeah, that that's part of it. Well, we're nerds too. So, Oh, absolutely. We get and, to nerd out, you know, and look, if we, I think we'd be huge fans of this podcast if somebody else were running it. So absolutely. I'd listen to it. Um, this is usually the spot for even flow right here, but do we get it? We don't get it. <laughs> When's it coming? Well, we'll have to get down the set list and see. <laughs> like, when's even flow? When's do the evolution? When's porch? Big question mark. Big question mark. We're going to have to find out. Okay, so this is like the one cooldown in the first nine or ten songs. And, uh, boy, it's a pr- pretty big doozy for a cooldown. And here it is. I don't feel like cool. I'm a little high All these words alone There's nothing like the poem Putting in, in, putting in Don't feel like I'm at the door Oh, that it is, it is. 
nothing as it seems is such a huge crowd favorite and it's so big of a crowd favorite that um we have a friend of ours in the crowd that we're going to say hello to a couple times in this show he loves it so much that he has some choice words for it let's let's hear our friend This guy's really into it. Um, look, <laughs> it's so funny. Props to him because he's he's definitely very thankful. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I, I I hope he's listened back to it and heard his voice on it the whole way because uh, it's just it's very prominent and uh, that this is the first of a couple times you'll hear from our uh, very thankful fan. Wouldn't it be so funny if we? come to learn that that is our boy Aurelian yelling in the crowd? I hope it is. Me too. I really do. have a story. <laughs> anyway, um, Got Some is next. And uh, if you've listened to the first three episodes of the show, you know how I feel about Got Some. You know, as much as I don't like the song, I think it still worked here. I think it was, it still worked with the flow. Yeah, picked it up. Um, but you know, I, I do like Got Some. Yeah sounded great here that's that's all i got for you it sounded great here everything has sounded great here even when it didn't sound that great at first if they were fixing a tempo whatever it was it still sounded great everything is great my, my one note on got some is one word whelp because that's all i have <sighs> well if they're gonna play it they're gonna play it i don't understand i know it's a single and everything and i try not to favor singles Sometimes you like singles. Sometimes you don't like singles because they're singles. Uh, I just always like this song. I don't know. I like it. I like that it sticks around. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't because uh, I've heard it way too many times and I've heard it in spots that it shouldn't have been heard. And I think that's what pissed me off. You're going to keep hearing it too. Uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe when I make my set list, they won't play it. I wonder, because like I said before, it, it was uh, somewhere from 90 to 90% of his songs were picked in the spots that they picked them. So I wonder what they tweaked. And I wonder, because this was still post-Backspacer, that if... There could have been a, uh, a song uh, progression there that where, you know, Mike needed to change guitars, Stone needed to change guitars. You know, maybe Jeff needed to sit down with the upright. They might have had to tweak some things just to make the uh, technical, yeah, the handoffs and stuff like that a little easier. Sure, it could be little things like that. Then maybe their guitar techs are like, eh, "Do it this way instead," because this is a real pain in the ass. So, uh, who knows? He's a super fan. He might know when they make all those guitar changes, and that might not have been it at all. So, if you know what it was, let us know. <laughs> yeah, and if you're Brian and you're listening. We're hoping to talk to you soon, and we're hoping that uh, we can get even more information about this show than just going down the line. We go from Got Some, and a dissident is here. Oh, so good. So, so goddamn good. That's the first time I get to say that. Yeah. Um, I know, and you know... And they almost never play dissident anymore. I, I don't get that. When I was really starting to get into Pearl Jam, dissident was probably one of like four songs that I played on repeat. I, I just loved that oh, song. For sure. It was probably my brother that first showed me that song 
to this day, still love Dissident. Sounded fantastic because the whole set sounds fantastic. Brian is very high on earlier stuff. Uh, he's very high. You'll see the numbers. Uh, Versus has the most tracks in this whole show, uh, followed by 10. I think Vitalogy is close after. Um, but yeah, I, I don't get for such an album that was so prominent how Dissident, which I hear on the radio sometimes, doesn't even get played. You know, I think they played it twice this whole year, mm. 2018. So a dissident is here, but yet sometimes it's not. And uh, and now it goes from dissident into once. And this is part of the set. They don't usually play once here. This is a good, good odd to me. You know, got some dissident. They're more, they're on the, the upbeat side, I guess you could say. But, you know, once gets a little eerie, little dark, little dirty kind of in there. It's hard. It, it's, it's a different, it's continuing the narrative of just going hard throughout the whole time. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you know, the verse, the verses on once kind of come down, it kind of gives you that eerie, you know, right. It's hard still. And it keeps up the momentum, but it, it's a completely different sounding song than got some and dissident. So when you're looking down the set, just reading the songs, it looks strange there, but listen to it. I tell everyone listening, listen to it there. It works. I had no problems with it here. I think it's just going to back to what we were saying before, where things can be in a certain spot. Uh, and once is pretty versatile, uh, they'll play it in encores. They'll close a first set with it. They'll even, uh, you know, play it in the third or second song sometimes. But right. here in this 12th spot, it's like, it's almost like a refresh to me. Yeah. Is that they're like, sort of getting into the second half of the set right, here exactly. in a different way. Exactly. So, and I, I thought the same way looking at it. And then when I listened to it, I said, nope, perfect. Nah. <laughs> well, there's there's one that I was very skeptical of that, and we'll talk about that in a little while. Sure. Ed talks after this and says, can't help but love seeing the bikes on the road <laughs> and wants to trade guns for bikes. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how that got in there, but it did. So... This was around the time that Arizona and Florida, I guess, were changing their gun laws or something like that. But he mentions Arizona and Florida. And uh, surprise, surprise, but six years later, we still have gun issues in this country. Yeah. What did he say? That they were in like an arms race at that at that time? Yeah. Arms race. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't remember the situation that he's referring to, but, you know. And speaking of guns... Now, next is another Versus song that has to deal with guns. I've never 
heard it live myself. So we don't we don't hear it enough at all. Yeah, uh, especially in this day and age. Randy, what did I tell you? What maybe an hour ago that for the last two days I've had I've had this specifically this live version stuck in my head. I've been singing the the guitar riff to myself, and it's uh, I'm. I'm going a little insane. Uh, <laughs> so I, when I go to work later, I'm going to have to listen to it a few times just to get at it, get it out of my head. Uh, and you know, it, it gets lost if you're, if you're just listening to boots. And, and I think at this, at this point in my listening to Pearl jam, I don't listen to albums as much anymore. Uh, because especially doing all this research for the podcast, I listen to a lot of different bootlegs and seeing, what sets can come up. So, you know, I, you don't get to hear glorified G all that often. Another one that was like that, they don't play it in the show, but, um, I feel I listened to a show today that had spin the black circle on it. I'm like, when the hell was the last time I listened to that song? Just cause I, they haven't done it this year. They played it like three times this year and all the sets we've, we haven't played that song in a set so far in our first four. Right. And with Glorified G, I just want to go back again to Got Some Dissident and Once and Glorified G again, up-tempo, upbeat song, yep. fast rock and song, kind of uh, goes with what I said with Once being in this earlier spot or later spot, depending on how you want to put it in a set. Glorified G is another song that sounds completely different from it. So they're keeping this momentum while giving you diversity. Uh, that's absolutely articulate such an articulate way to say that if brian had put this 10 11 12 13 together here uh he is a genius because i love i love this grouping because it just shows you diversity which which we talk about a lot and uh somebody is back to agree with brian here he is And I hope this guy found Brian at some point and just gave him like the biggest, longest, most awkward hug ever because he, he <laughs> seems to be so appreciative of this fan made set here. Yeah. He's, th- he's thanking Pearl Jam the whole time. You need to be thanking Brian. He probably had no idea until later. I, I don't know. Yeah, definitely. I don't remember how much that they were promoting. I would have to venture a guess and say probably they didn't mention this was a fan set at all. So if anybody out there knows when they did uh, let this out or when Brian had released the information that he made it or when Pearl Jam confirmed it, uh, let us know because we like stats and we like dates and we like stuff like that. So if you have any information on when that was made known, let us know. Maybe it's even in that Rolling Stone article. I'm not sure if you finished the whole thing. I wasn't able to read it. Uh, no, I, I didn't see that part. Um, okay. Well, if anyone out there knows, let us know, because we like that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, just more information. You got to keep learning on this. Uh, so we go into from thank you guy into deep, and we're into heavy shit here. Yes. Deep, heavy shit. And deep is kind of in the same once category, that it's eerie, and it's... You I know, love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And it, it works. It works so well. But you go from... This was, this was the one problem i had with the set you go from such a deep heavy song like deep into fixer and fixer is so poppy that i just while fixer has the same pace as the rest of the set i just don't 
I don't think it fit out of all the songs. This was the one for me that I just feel like it was an anomaly and I feel like it was out of the norm. The set is is practically good as it is, but uh, no, not Fixer for me. And we don't have the specifics of, of that. And again, Fixer could have been because they were still, maybe he had no Backspacer songs and they're like, well, we're still kind of promoting Backspacer. It's, it was a year before Lightning Bolt came out. so Well, no, they, they did got some. Right. And that's usual to do in a regular set about three or four of your new album songs. But they, if they do their hits, then that, that's not out of the norm. I don't... Maybe he put it in. Maybe he liked This it. is three years after Backspacer came out. I don't think they were really... Eh, maybe they felt obligated to play some of them, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But All right. So this is one of people's favorite uh, versions of the song because... Okay, so this is the story. Brian had gone to 108 shows, it said, in the Rolling Stone article. And... He, when he talked to Eddie, he said, look, I only have one album song that I've never heard before, and that's Bugs. And Eddie says, we can't do it. I don't have the accordion. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But Ed, the ever the crowd pleaser, ever just wanted to, to please his, his fans, went back to his hotel room that night and figured out a way to play Bugs. And this is all played on a guitar and it takes about a minute to fully play. So what I like about this is I love the bugs in a better man transition. So we're going to play from the very beginning when he kind of like teases a little, a little ditty and goes into better man. Cause I love that transition. So let's play the whole thing and listen to that. I got bugs, bugs in my wings, bugs in my ears, the eggs in my womb, bugs in my pocket, bugs in my clothes, bugs in places that no one will ever know. Bugs in my ceiling Bugs in my shoes Bugs in the way I feel about you I got bugs in my room One on one That's when I had a chance So for not having an accordion, what do you think? I thought this was so much fun. 
honestly. Normally, this is, this is something, you know, it's bugs. It's whatever. Like, I, I, I guess uh, it's not that I wouldn't care to see it. I would love to see it like this. This is how I'd, I would want to see it. Uh, this, Look, uh, this, there's a reason they don't play it that often. Right, right. Because it's not like anything that great. No, oh, no, no. But oh, it's... go kill me that you don't like bugs. Right. I, I don't really care for bugs. I, it's, it's nothing special. It's special because it's not special but in if, a way. But if you were to see it, this is the way you'd want to see it. I, I saw it at Wrigley and they played with an accordion and I was, it was fine. I kind of, I kind of chuckled the whole time. Um, yeah. So when I, when I sounded I'm, clunky and awkward, exactly. But. So what I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying you'd want to see it like this. This is where he kind of reworked it. It's kind of a, one, yeah, it's, a it, it's a one, it's a one off type performance. It sounded it. pretty, you know, it sounded like he, yeah, he fully redid it just for, for this moment. And if they were to do it, they should, they should tag this off of something. Uh, well, like imagine what if you, imagine if taking this off a daughter or something like what this. if you what if you huh okay so now I'm thinking of something I don't know if it would work after a lot of songs as a tag but what if you consider this a pre better man tag like a pre tag instead of a post tag could we call this a better man tag <laughs> what how could, uh, how could we how could well, we consider the this whole thing yeah but it's you know what i mean right it's uh but it was very seamless into better band i think yeah i think he didn't want to push it can we call um, can we call this can we call this bugs with a better man tag <laughs> can we can we make it well, it's not a better name it's not a snippet of better man it's not a snippet of better man you know what i'm calling this bugs with a better man tag that's uh that's that's what we're calling it <laughs> so let's save it for later <laughs> <laughs> that's that's an ultimate oh, snippet. That is that's like the that's like a mega tag. That's like the tag. It's like a trifecta. It's like tagception or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's a third <laughs> tag cousin once removed. I know by bugs and another album. Oh man, whatever it is, it's really great. <laughs> that's the end of the first set. Um, Brian really did his job here. Could I ask you? Uh, you like this better man set ender, right? Yeah, I do. Because again, another hit. We mentioned this. I think we're going on four episodes now where you don't hear a better, uh, you don't hear a bad better man. Mm-hmm. Did you? Case in point, this is a nice long jammy version of better man. Again, it's really good. And why not end the set with a really good song that you could elaborate on? Right. And it's sort of like saying the set was so hard the whole way that you just sort of, I don't want to call it a cool down because it's not necessarily a cool down, but it's like a lovable sing, sing along that, you know, you, you don't really glorify G and deep aren't like sing alongs per se. No, you end a set with better man. The people are waiting for them to come back out for encore one and mm-hmm. they're high as a kite. You know, that's yep. how I, that's how I so, feel. Okay. So let's, get into the first encore here and Ed comes out again, doesn't talk a lot this whole show, which is really part of the charm. He says here that they had some help making the set list. Doesn't mention Brian by name, but he says that they had some help. And this next one is one they usually don't play at this point in the set. Like you were saying, this is going back to that. And it also brings us back to uh, something else we had talked about 
um, where they kind of don't change stuff up enough in these in these encores and him kind of saying, well, this isn't normally where we play this and you saying, you know, well, this song has its place in the set, et cetera, et cetera. We talked about this though. They really, they don't take enough liberties with stuff like that. So good, change it up, you know, because for a band that comes out and shocks you with different things and they're known for these great encores, maybe they do need to kind of mess around with, with some of these other orders. And Should we play it? Let's play Why it. Why don't we play it? Let's play it. release i think is cool because i heard it i think it was like night one msg 2016 they played it seventh or eighth song and i thought wow it's really weird it's cool but it fits um and i think it fits here i disagree i think i think it fits i'm I'm sorry you know what don't get me wrong i don't really like it here only because like I've, i've said i'd rather hear other songs i know you really like release but I don't mind it here. It's not what I would have chosen as an encore start. I do think it works better as an opener, but I don't think this song is as versatile as others. Now, here's here's one that never gets played in the encore, and I think it actually works. It's Hail Hell. I think Hail Hell works any fucking place that you put it. So, Oh, God. Anywhere. 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 Doesn't matter. This song could be a second song. This song could be... I mean, I wouldn't... I wouldn't end an encore with it, but I would start an encore with it. I would start a show with it. You could do this song. It's kind of like do the evolution. You can do the song kind of anywhere in set one. I agree. It's, I agree. And they don't, it's usually a startup song or nothing for the most part. I think it's usually within the first five or six. We've talked before too. Uh, when hail hail comes in on the album, it is, it's one of the best parts of the entire album. And when they do that live where they just hit you with it out of a song, again, doesn't matter where it is. It has that same feel like it does on the album. It's just out of nowhere and it's fast. Now, my, my thing with Hell Hell for the album wise is that on No Code, it should have been their first single. 
and I know it was a single and it was popular overseas in places, but right. if they were looking to get no code, some sales and some notoriety, if hell hell came out as the first single and then red mosquito as the second single, I, we can get into this conversation because I always, you know, I have my thoughts about the binaural single. I, no, I, I a hundred percent agree with you. Hell hell would have sold that album, but they released who you are because they didn't want to sell the album. And didn't they, Hail Hail is what they did on Letterman, right? I believe so. To promote the album. Yeah. With, with Jack Irons. Yeah. The, his own bubble Jack Irons. Very good. <laughs> we'll post a picture of, of Jack Irons in his own bubble. Um, <laughs> we're, we're not going to say anything else. So if you're listening to this and you see a very strange picture come up, you'll get it. It's always been a yeah. kind of an inside joke with Randy and I. But yeah, so you know they play that on Letterman to, pr- to promote the album. Very strange, very strange, but yeah, they, they they didn't want this album to have like mega notoriety. That's why "Who You Are" was the first single, and it did not get the uh, it did not get the popularity that a first single would get because "Who You Are" is not a single song. And you know what's funny? It totally worked because we just said last episode how it or episode two, episode three how. It completely flew under our radars, too. Right. We knew it existed. We listened to it, but we didn't really appreciate how fantastic of an album it is. Right. Sometimes you just got to forget about the hits. I guess they did what they wanted to do. <laughs> and they did the same thing yeah. with Binaural, because Binaural was uh, the first single off that was Nothing As It Seems, when it should have been uh, Grievance or Thin Air. Thin Air should have been a single. Yes. And it wasn't. How is Thin Air not on like every top 40 charts? as like the ultimate wedding song that should have been everybody's <laughs> first dance song from the year 2000 to 2009, you know, but anyway, uh, after hell, hell, Ed gets the mic and says, this one is for the serious collectors. And I've heard him say this a couple times and you get this like tingle in your body when you're like, Ooh, what could it be? What could it be? What could it be? And I believe he said this about the same song. The two times that I've heard this song, I believe he said that both times that I've heard it. So here's what was for the series collectors that night. Amsterdam? Yes. Besides Brian. Uh, uh, oh, Lily, the 12-year-old in the stands? No. <laughs> this guy. Oh, this guy. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys back. Here, here he is. Thank you so 
Yeah. Uh, they never said you're welcome, by the way, so that was pretty rude of them. <laughs> well, you know, they have the uh, they got their in-ear monitors in. Maybe if he wasn't getting picked up by the microphone on stage, they probably won't hear him. But but again, again, it wasn't it wasn't their spot to 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 say that. That was that was Brian. It was Brian's. It was Brian's set, so he should have said something. Well, you know, maybe this guy hadn't seen them live before. Maybe this was his first time, and maybe he just wanted to thank them. Maybe he was also absolutely loving this set list, thinking that it was their set list. Maybe um, this guy had a conversation with Brian. He's like, are you going to play this? Are you going to play this? Are you going to play this? And Brian the whole time, I <laughs> don't know yet. I don't know yet. I feel like there's a whole conspiracy thing where <laughs> we're unweaving. <laughs> oh, God. We, we won't know until we talk to Brian. Yeah, it's true. Hopefully we get, we get that uncovered. Uh, looking at the set, I didn't think that this would work, but it did. Alone in the footsteps. What'd you think? Yes, I agree with you too. It does work. Again, like I said, with once in that spot and a couple of the other, other things, uh, corduroy where it was, you look at the set and you think alone footsteps and you think, uh, well, again, listen to it. I thought it was awesome here. Um, yes. You know, it wasn't like a cool down per se. It almost feels like if they were on an album together, they were meant to be back to back. Like a I feel like if they were to make like a 12 song al- album out of like the early lost dogs, like a breath and a, uh, state of love and trust and, you know, stuff that weren't, wasn't on actual albums. I feel like alone would be track number eight and footsteps would be track number nine, something like that. A- a- am I crazy saying that? No, not at all. Like an in between 10 and verses album. I could, I could get on that. Yeah. Okay. I, it just, it, listening to that, if it, it did flow, so well here that uh yeah i you know hopefully and they played around with footsteps uh saddle night two they actually it was the second song in they played it right after oceans which i i was floored by so yeah play around with footsteps a little more and to end the first set we have another really 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 good version of rearview mirror which i feel like i'm listening to a lot lately i feel like it's been on every show we cover the most that's fine which it hasn't. It's only been on half the show. So I like listening to it. It's a great live song. Yeah. Uh, no notes, just, you know, empty, empty gauged divided by fear. Yeah. Nothing, nothing really to say. Yeah. It's great. So top of the second encore, Ed quickly asked the crowd if they feel good and they go right into crown of thorns. That was it. That, and it's Crown of Thorns, and it's awesome. Okay, so what, what's, your, what's your thought on the, the, the Mother Love Bones stuff? They, they only do Chloe, Chloe and uh, Crown. That's all. That's the only stuff I've heard of them. Right, but what's, what's your thought on, on Mother it? Love Bone altogether? Or them playing it in encores, you know. I think it's, I think it's a great tribute to them. Uh, I okay. think it's more of a tribute to Andy. And that, that scene in PJ20 of... Eddie telling Stone that he wanted to play Mother Love Bone. You see the look on Stone's face like, really? Like, you want to, that's one of our songs. Like, like, he looks so giddy. He looks so proud. And this. Sure. And, and that, that's great there where you're, you know, kind of celebrating an anniversary. You're for me, for this set, as incredible as it is, I would have taken something else here uh, over the the Mother Love Bone stuff. I love that he threw it in there as as a super fan who's been around 
during that time. It wasn't just that, though. He needed to put it in because he was part of the Mother Love Bone fan club. That's, that's why. That's what I just said. Yeah, he's been around oh, okay. since, the, since the beginning. Okay. I didn't know what you were referring to. You know, maybe doing that as a super fan, being around from the beginning. But are you telling me that he doesn't have one more rare Pearl Jam song he'd rather hear in an encore? I don't know. Uh, maybe he wasn't as focused on rare. Like, he wasn't playing... He didn't choose Bugs because it was rare. He chose Bugs because... Because he needed it. Yes, that was the only personal decision that he made. Every other decision that he made in this set was because he truly wanted to hear the song and loved the song. Sure, sure. It works well here, and it it is a great song. I just, if it was me, I I, I don't know. I'd say, ooh, I kind of have free reign here. What could I do? I probably would have went a little different than Crown Thorns. I probably would have went, like, Blood to open well, the first uh the second encore i can't believe you you would not have just said uh brain of jay but well i would have had i would have honestly like second or third song done brain of jay oh yeah you wouldn't have saved it for like this huge explosive encore too nah i know if i was watching the show and heard it here it would blow me away but i think it's a kickoff I think it, let's be honest. I just don't think you would be able to wait until second encore to hear it. No, I'd pee, I'd pee myself. You'd wa- <laughs> well, with no even flow to the go, go to the bathroom, you'd be holding <laughs> it a long time. <laughs> One of these days we're, we're actually, we were talking about it where we were thinking about making uh, our own set list. SPT did this not long ago, and I think we're going to follow suit maybe for like a holiday special or something like that. But we're shout out to those guys. Yep, we're going to make our own episode. They, by the way, speaking of Jack Irons from before, they, their episode this week was Jack Irons. Oh, okay, I got to give it a listen. Yeah, and I showed Brad the the bubble picture. Did he love it? Um, I'm not sure what his reaction was. I don't remember. <laughs> well, we'll post it ourselves, and we'll we'll see what people think. Yeah. Um. Oh, by the way, you know who loves Crown of Thorns? Who's that? Thank you, guy. Hold on, let's let's hear him real quick. He is. There he is. Yeah, <laughs> he is so thankful. He's just so happy. <laughs> he, it's it's like he just got out of jail, and. The one thing they told him was, you're not allowed to listen to Pearl Jam for four years. Or tomorrow he's going to jail. Or tomorrow he's going to jail. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. Now Thank my you. life is going to suck. Or maybe maybe got divorced. We gotta, who is Thank You Guy? And if you know him, he has to call in. And we have to do, we have to do a segment with us thanking him back. I really hope it's our friend Aurelian from... from from France over there. God, I hope it's him. I don't know. Maybe we can find this guy. Who knows? I hope he's still around. If you, if you know, thank you guy. Just, uh, tell him, tell him he's welcome. All right. So this is mostly encore here is mostly covers. It's, uh, three of the five are covers and your sonic reducer. That's, you know, at for a kick-ass set, you need a kick-ass cover. Sonic reducers. It, uh, into a live and my note here everything sounded so tight and flawless tonight that there's really not much to criticize the show really kicks so much ass and we said that from the beginning we've said it in the middle in between things and we're saying it here this show was 
next to Flawless. And it was created by a fan. This wasn't even Pearl Jam. This goes to show you how much the Pearl Jam fan knows and understands what the other Pearl Jam fans around want and love. Yeah, and you know, it's not even that he stuck to the hits. I mean, for us, for Pearl Jam fans that go to a lot of shows, this could be considered a hit show. Glorified and de- it's just a lot of like, it's a lot of early stuff. No, no, no. Like it's, it's, it's fan hits. Yes. It's not like, okay. but, but it's also songs that even if you're not the biggest Pearl Jam fan, you might still know it's really, it's hitting all cylinders here without it just being a greatest hit show, without it being a total rare, strange show. This is right down the middle where Pearl Jam fans of any walk of life, be it your hundredth show, be it your first show, you will love this show. Yes. Um, you, you know, th- thinking back now, going back to what you'd replace the Crown of Thorns with, you know you know what the set really needed that fits the time era that the set I really... I do, I do. Big wave. Breath. <laughs> You're a jerk. They, uh, no, I don't. They contributed their avocado yeah, song. You know, you know, you knew I would say that. Um, I, yeah. I, I agree with you, yes. Breath should have been in this show. Uh, yes. Around, if, if not replacing Crown of Thorns, then in that topper post crown thorn spot. Uh, that would have been awesome for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a crowd favorite. So, uh, yep. Sonic producer live Baba. Okay. Here's the weird. Okay. So Ed introduces everybody in the band and he says, boom, Gasper. And I noticed the crowd doesn't say boom. <laughs> it's like the first time I've ever heard that. Yeah. And we, you know, we talked and I said, one of the only flaws I have with this set is that it needed more boom. Every set needs boom. But, you know, it wasn't a boom-heavy set. It wasn't really a Riot Act set. Um, it wasn't an avocado set. He's there. Yeah. We just needed more of him. Yeah, we always do. And It's okay, though. It's okay. And Ed, uh, let's listen to it here, because Ed gives a little shout-out to Brian. So let's, uh, let's hear him introduce Brian. You, right? You, you... Come, this is, uh, we had a little bit of help uh, making the set list. Uh, there was, uh, there was um, some people that, uh, there's a guy called Brian. He's from the Northeast part of the United States. Uh, he's been with us since uh, we played a little tiny club that was uh, about from here to the barricade. And, um, He's been uh, listening to us ever since, and, and between the last two nights, we've reached, uh, he's kept a list, we, we've, uh, we've got him into 2,500 songs, played over the 20 years. So, uh, thanks for sticking around and uh, making us feel like we're doing something important. That was, I mean, the whole gesture to let a fan do this and, you know, I don't know how they came up with it. I don't know where they decided it, but, you know, just just the thought itself to, to develop this was just, it's what makes them them. Yes. You know, I, I hope that someday that they can do it again and maybe that they if they listen into the show and they're like, oh, they really... You know, they cracked down on our set list. Well, what's, 
it's up to you guys now. Why don't you guys make them? Maybe they'll say that. <laughs> Probably not. Randy's thinking of just his wildest dreams right now. Oh, uh, you don't even, you don't even comprehend what I'm thinking. Um, well, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking that if we made a set list, it would be really good. I think so. And maybe what we'll do is we'll make a, we'll make our own set list and then we'll make a combined set list and, uh, See how that goes. See what see see what we'll work around. So maybe we can make a shareable set list, your set list, my set list, and then a combined sure. greatest set list of all time. Okay. I'm down with that. Baba and Ledbetter ended. Um would have been really cool to end with indifference, seeing that the whole set was so heavy and so hard the first time and you know, end it with indifference and it just like fades it fades out i've mentioned really enjoying that i understand the yellow lead better ending it's a fan favorite it is my least favorite song to see live but listen it's undeniably their calling card and i guess you just got to take it out that way if you're a lifelong fan yeah i you know we haven't done a show yet that closed with indifference and hopefully that'll... We got to get to one. We do. Because you know I love that. Oh, me too. Absolutely. After the set, band says goodbye and Brian takes a bow. And uh, we'll we'll share this clip uh, with you guys after we post this episode. And uh, he, he definitely feels like he's not worthy of being there. Like, you know, uh, Garth and Wayne seeing Alice Cooper kind of were not worthy. I loved it when he walks out. You could tell he's, I mean, probably the happiest he's ever been in his entire life. And, uh, and that's, it's really, it's really amazing. It's really cool. For a day, he got to be in the band and that is the end of, uh, Amsterdam night two, 2012. Um, how would you rate it? Oh, uh, this is, uh, easy eight possible nine. I wouldn't really mix up a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff that I don't think would work in some places actually works better than I could ever imagine. So I'm giving this an 8.5. Cause cool. Okay. Let's, let's both go 8.5. Yeah. yeah. And I'm trying to, I don't want to like go too high and too low on things. I want to save the stuff that is in my nines and tens for, to be stuff that I have attended um, because that just means so much more to me. So I feel like if you're under like right under nine and I've never went to that show, that's really kind of like a 10. And like I've told you, I'll never give anything a 10. I don't believe in giving anything a perfect score. So (sighs) saying 8.5 when you know, I'm only going to be giving highest a nine rating. This set kicks ass. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I want to tell everybody to go and either watch it, the full show on YouTube. Please do. Listen to the bootleg. Do whatever you got to do. Listen to this whole thing all the way through. You won't be disappointed. Yes and yes. Okay, so I just want to take this minute in the show to do our listener email for the week. This comes from Aurelian over in France, and uh, he was at Amsterdam Night 2. It was his first Pearl Jam concert. He's been a listener since the beginning. He's a patron of ours. And he's very active on our social media. So we're more than happy to give this week's email read to Aurelian over in France. So let's read his story. 
Uh, he starts off by saying, I'm very excited about your coverage of Amsterdam 2, 2012. I really enjoy your podcast, and I'm glad that you will cover my first Pearl Jam show, and we're happy to cover it for you. So he goes on to say, as a bit of background, I discovered Pearl Jam in 1992 thanks to MTV UK. I've been a huge fan of the first two albums. These ones were my best companions during middle school. And I think we could agree with that, Randy, because I think a lot of people discover their musical taste during that time. I know I did. I know you did. And although it changes over time, I think that point in my life was important to me musically. That's when I started listening to a lot of different stuff, and I kind of broke out of my shell a little bit. And Yeah, so we're with you on that. Uh, then he goes, when Vitology came out, I was a bit confused because the album was weird and lacked cohesion. At least that's what I thought as a teenager. I agree with you. That's what I thought as a teenager as well. Finally, No Code came out, and I literally hated it. I did not understand at the time why the band decided to write music that sounded experimental, garage, or punk. I completely agree with you there, too. I think we've all changed our mind on that, but as teenagers, it was a little different and maybe took a little getting used to, I think, I think we've discussed before. So he goes on to say, in 2011, following the release of PJ20, I started to listen to Pearl Jam once again and literally discovered all post-no-code albums. I enjoyed the ride and decided myself to see them at their next tour. I chose Amsterdam, as it was a decent four-hour drive from where I live. Night one was sold out, so I opted for night two. Needless to say, that it was incredible, and it changed my life. It started in the queue. I discovered that people were actually traveling all over the world to see Pearl Jam, that apps aiming at providing Pearl Jam set list and statistics existed, and that people were collecting posters, something that I never encountered with other bands that I have seen live. Yeah, Pearl Jam definitely is a different animal live, and a different animal altogether. As a first-timer, experienced fans in the queue told me that it would be my first show, but definitely not the last one, and they were damn right. I had been blown away by Pearl Jam, and the set list was awesome. Being second row on Mike's side was an experience in itself, and I could agree to that because I was in those same seats at MSG. I think it was 2008. Uh, you will surely adequately cover the set list, so I will keep it short. I think that the show is stellar and that the flow is great. I particularly liked Wash as an opener, agree. I Got Id, Release as the encore opener, Alone, My White Whale at my first show, Unbelievable, well, congratulations, and Crown of Thorns. Following the show, Pearl Jam fans were right. I heavily fell into Pearl Jam to an extent that I could have not imagined before. I have since attended five shows during the 2014 European tour and seven during the 2018 European tour. Well, that's great. We want to hear about those too. And I think if my math is correct, that brings you to 13 shows total. So you and I are tied. I also listen to bootlegs a lot when commuting to work. I spend three hours per day in my car and it's all Pearl Jam shows for the past four years. Your podcast will definitely be my companion when choosing the shows that I want to listen to. And that's kind of what we're aiming to do. We want to you know, we're going to pick shows on our own that we have either been to or that we wish we were at or that we think have some kind of significance to the band's history or a venue or whatever the case may be. But we also want to hear from you guys. What shows have you been to? What shows do you wish you were able to go to? Um, what is significant to you guys and why? So that's our goal for us to be kind of a companion to Pearl Jam live shows. Thanks once again for the podcast. Best regards, Aurelian. And he says, P.S., I hope that I have not made too many English mistakes. Sorry for that. And you didn't. Your English was perfect, and this email was great, and we're, we're so happy that you wrote in and told us your experience. Cool. Awesome. 
Thanks for running in, Marillion. Uh, really appreciate you and uh, great story. Thanks for catching us. Uh, I messaged you yesterday. Not sure of what time it was where you were because we wanted to get you in on this. We wanted to get your story. You got back to us right in the nick of time and uh, we appreciate it so much. Thank you. Good thing that we got we got something in there and we're glad it's for more of our patrons. So hit the music. It's time to tell you a little bit about what we're about. Live on Four Legs is happy to present a weekly podcast dedicated to the Pearl Jam Live experience. While we try to get ourselves to as many shows as possible, we have only attended a small fraction compared to the entire live history. That's why we need your help. We want to get to know who you are. If there's a live show that you've attended that you'd like to see us cover in our program, please send us an email at liveonfourlegs, that's the number four, liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com. We want to know your entire live experience. Did you once miss a flight? Get lucky in the 10 Club Lottery? Catch a white whale? Your stories will help us mold this into the best podcast it could possibly be. You're already getting to know who we are. Now it's time for us to know who you are okay so there it is that's that's episode number four it's in the books and uh this one was a breeze man this was great yeah no time at all i I think we're we're gonna get this we said we wanted to be within 90 minutes per episode i think this is gonna be under 90 minutes once all set yeah yeah we'll figure it out again this was this was so simple because it's just such a great great set i love it yeah um, do you know what we're doing next week? Uh, Berlin. We're doing Berlin next week, and it's our first ever time venturing into live on six legs. Oh, that's right. Because we're adding another personality. This is Steve's debut. Steve debuts in episode five. Yeah, Steve is my brother. We've mentioned him a few times. Steve is our co-co Pearl Jam fanatic. He might even be more critical about things than I am so strap in as he's joining us next week <laughs> he does love this show though this is one of his favorite shows and you know I had him uh, Amsterdam um, uh, Berlin oh Berlin yeah, so I had him handpick it and made sure that he got to talk about something that he really liked before possibly in you know later shows talking about something that he hates uh, so sure there it is there's our show and that's what you have to look forward to next week so although it may be the end it's here but not for much longer and i'll miss you always i'll miss you all day until next time we're andy and matt for live on four legs podcast bye bye